Welcome to the Bridget and Josh Show. I'm Bridget. And I'm Josh. And this is a show where we talk about what we think young Catholics should care about. And today we think you should care about the final countdown. There we go. How good. It's uh Yeah. This is our last episode of our truncated election series, democracy season series extravaganza, because the election is coming up this week. Yep. Saturday, 21st of May. Be there or be fined $55 by the AEC. Yep. Something like that. I think it's fifty five dollars. I know I've never been fined. I've never been fined for not voting because I have always voted. A I diligent voted. citizen. Yeah. I try my best. I've pre polled and I've done polling day votes. And it's a good time. Good. I uh, yeah. So we're um today we just we're gonna talk a bit about a couple of questions that people have have, uh, have shared with us, and then we're just gonna talk a bit about what's been happening. What's going to happen on Saturday, maybe, and what we're looking forward to, and what two big nerds are going to be doing on election night. So, Yoo-hoo! yeah, should be good. Amazing. Great. So, um, we have a, you have a funny story, Bridget, right? So, why don't you let's start, with, let's start with that? Yes. So, the feeling I've been getting from a lot of people in the lead up to this federal election has been that a lot of people are a bit uneasy or stressed, stressed about the decision that they have to make and about who they're going to pick and what they're going to do. Um, just yesterday, in fact, I went to the pharmacy to get some cold and flu tablets so that I could survive the day. And I go into the pharmacy and the pharmacist is like a little bit flustered and is like checking to see if there's someone at the counter to serve me. And then someone comes up and he's like, okay, great. Lovely. Excellent. It's a really nice day today, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, it's beautiful. The weather's lovely. It's been a rainy week, but it's sunny now. He was like, yeah, it's good. It's good. I hope it's good next week. And I was like, yeah, I hope it's a good day. He was like, yeah, I hope the weather's nice. I hope it's a lovely day. I have no idea who to vote for. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, it's going to be tricky. Like, I was like, I I don't know what to say to a pharmacist about voting. Like it was oh, just the PBS, hey, yeah. Yeah, right. Like it just was this funny moment that I feel like sums up a lot of the pre-election energy that is happening at the moment. It's just people being a bit like, yeah. what do I do? I've had a number of conversations with people just like, I'm so stressed and scared about voting. What the heck do I do? Mm. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't say I don't know. I'm just like, oh yeah. Let's talk about that experience. No, I don't do that either. But like, <laughs> yeah, there's a fair bit of like apprehension out mm. there. And voting should be fun. Yes. Absolutely. Voting should be a good time. You get a vote, you get a $2 democracy sausage. Might yeah. even be a bake sale. We're having a bake sale and a democracy sausage extravaganza here. Our this, the, the parish hall behind my house yeah. is, a, is a polling place. <gasps> so like, I would just look over the fence and be like, oh, the line's short and then just go around. It's nice. so good. Um okay. So, yeah, voting should be fun. Election day should be fun. And, you know, unless the people that you're voting for lose and that can be depressing. But, yeah, 
It should be a good time. It should be a good time because this is our moment. This is where democracy and our lives meet and mingle and we get to have our voices heard in the form of a lovely vote. So to get ready to vote, make sure that you check out the AEC stuff so that you know how to do it properly. Yeah. We don't want any informal votes, people. We want good quality, well thought out votes. So that way you can yeah. make a difference. And maybe, and maybe just to recap, we weren't really planning on doing this, but I've just had a random idea. But just to recap some of the stuff we've spoken about already about voting mm. in the last few episodes, that it's very easy. You just line up, you're going to walk in, and there's going to be political party volunteers with these things called how to vote cards. You don't have to take any of them. You can take all of them. You can take the one from the party that you're thinking you're going to vote for, no matter what. But these aren't really important because all these things are is they're wanting to help you. Well, they probably really want to help themselves. They want to get you to preference votes the way that's going to work best for them. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, we spoke a couple of episodes ago that the most important thing is that you control where your preferences go. So if you want to vote Labor 1, Liberal 2, Green 3, or any combination of whatever, it's completely up to you. All that matters is that for your House of Reps, your green little piece of paper, mm-hmm. it's going to have candidates all the way down. You just have to number every single box clearly and legibly to make sure that your vote is counted. And in the Senate, one to six across the top line, or you can number the boxes below the line if you'd like, but the easiest way is one to six, however you want your preferences to go across mm-hmm. above the line. Your preferences are in your hands. They yep. don't belong to the political parties. They're yours to do with them what you want to do, you know. So that's important. You don't have to take that. That's 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 the thing. So that they might give you a piece of paper. You can take it. You don't have to. So you line up. You go into the polling place. They'll be like, yo, what's your name? They probably won't say it like that. Yeah. But, but they uh, might, you know, yeah. it's good to be it ready could, for anything. Yeah. It's good to be agile, flexible. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they're going to ask for your name and then what do you do, Bridget? Uh, and then you get ticked off the electoral roll. Yeah. So they go, this person has voted now. So that way you can't do extra votes because that would yeah. not be fair. One and they ask you that question, vote. don't they? They say, yeah, have you you what's your address? Before? Yeah, have you voted? And don't say yes because they'll be like, go home. Go home. No yeah. democracy sausage for you. Yeah. They have no way to enforce that. But anyway. Yeah. But they will just say, well, yeah. if you've already voted, then go home. And some people will have already voted because pre-polling opened yeah. last week. So You know, there's maybe. been... 2.6 million votes already cast. Wow. As we were, as 1.6 pre-polls and 1,000 postals. Have, one, one, 2.6 million, 1.6 million pre-polls and 1 million postals have already been returned. Incredible. What a great Highest site. number ever. There's also on the AEC some guides about if you can't make it or if you are unwell. Yeah. So make sure you're thinking about that this week about what your Saturday plans are so that way you yeah. can actually find a time to vote mm. and they make it as accessible as possible by having it open during the days in the lead up yeah. to the election. Um, then you just get your pieces of paper and your little pencil and you go into your voting booth with nobody else, just with you, and you put your numbers where it says on the paper, read the instructions, they're really clear, get help if you need it. There are lovely volunteers there. Yeah. And... Then you put it in the right box and you're good to go. You and go if, out yeah. and you have a nice time. And if you make a mistake, you can get another paper. You can get another paper. Unlimited and, numbers yeah. of paper is available. Yeah. And if you can and if you're not sure, you can ask questions. That's yeah. the really important thing. You can definitely ask questions. 
Absolutely. And we are in COVID time. So if you do get the spicy coughs between now and Saturday and you can't get to the ballot box, you can go on the AAC website and they have options for, I think it's telephone voting. Yeah. Um, and that's available. So don't feel like I've got the spicy cough, I've got the Sydney sniffle, so I can't mm-hmm. vote. You definitely can. So get on the AAC website and check it out. Yeah. They probably would have put something in your mailbox if you still have a mailbox yeah. that you receive things in. Hmm. Um, yeah. They've got all the info there. Um, but yes, but before you get there, it's really important to have a good think about yeah. what number you want to put next to which people's yeah. names. So as we were saying, lots of people seem to be a little bit confrazzled about that, both confused yeah. and frazzled. Um, and we got a really excellent question from Fantastic a listener, question. a wonderful listener who noted themselves as confused 27. Mm. So confused. This one goes out to you. Thanks Love for you a confused. great question. They asked, should I vote for the party platform I like the most, even if the individual I can vote for is not my favourite? Or should I vote for the individual I like the most, even if I don't particularly like their party's platform? Discuss. Yeah. What do you think, Bridget? I would say that because of the way that our system works most of the time, it would be best to pick a party that aligns well with your values and within that party to pick a candidate who you think is approachable and who you would be able to discuss your issues with. Um, because uh, for the most part, a party is going to be going along their party lines and having their party beliefs. And depending on where you are, you will probably just be voting for someone who will be a nice backbencher putting their hand up and voting along party lines. Um, so within that party, then picking someone who you think represents your community well or represents you well and that you feel like you could, um, you know, discuss your issues with and the things that you care about with or who you think you would see at the shops and be like, hmm, I need to talk to you about this issue that I think is important. Um, so that would be probably my way of approaching that but what do you think josh yeah i'd be mostly similar i think i think i'd probably i'd probably be a little bit different in the sense that like i think both party and person matter when it comes to voting you know and so uh, at the end of the day uh in terms of the lower house i think we elect people we don't elect parties or people in parties most of the time unless they're independents or whatever um so i do think what that person stands for is probably important Um, and normally that will align pretty closely with what the party stands for as well but i also think that um there's so much that the person does apart from voting in in parliament which actually impacts what they're like as a local member as well things around making sure that you can get access to information and services in your local area that they have a role as a a local leader in your community Um, and so like I, i think it's important that when you're looking at who to vote for especially if you might think oh well i'm probably 50-50 on the parties. I'm not really, I don't, you know, I'm sort of tossing up between the two. Who your local candidate is can actually make a big difference. You know, so if you can, if you do get a chance to meet your local candidate, even go to a candidate forum, ask some questions about what's happening in your local community. Um, Yeah, and because I think there's, you know, what the person stands for individually is is important as well. Um, You know, in the past when I've, you know, I might have in the upper house, whether I, whether it was in the Senate or in state elections in, in the Legislative Council, I might have voted for a party 
then I might vote a little bit differently. You know, if I have a, if I've had an experience with that local member or I learn a bit more about what they might stand for, um, I might put someone else above them just based on on, on thing. Or I might go, okay, well, I'm going to vote for this party in on this bit of paper. But then I've met this local candidate. And I really like what they stand for. Whether it's mm. they're just a really good Catholic and they have good views, or you know, they might just be a really strong leader. Um, yeah. So I think. I think taking it as a holistic approach of going, okay, well, the person, I vote for the person and, and part of what what makes up their approach to politics is the party they belong to, but there might be other extenuating or, or other circumstances that probably would impact whether I'll be more or less likely to vote for them. Um, and I've voted for, I've had some times I've not voted for people because I don't, I haven't liked them, mm-hmm. not, <laughs> not personally, but just in terms of what they might stand for. Um, but I've also voted for people because I've been like, well, I'm not overly keen on their party, but I think this person will be a really good representative of my local community. Yeah. It's also important to note that like, you do get those two different bits of paper, your House of Reps and your Senate vote, and that you don't have to vote for the same party or for the same group of people on them. Like That's actually the whole point is that you're able to pick different people that are suited to different roles. Like I know that the Senate debate in Canberra has been really um full-on basically like it's been a very close race and there's been a lot happening in it um I went to a like senate candidate conversation thing hosted by the ANU student society and it was really interesting um but that was a really important thing for me to do because I was like wow the senate there are a lot of people going for the senate in the ACT and because it's such a small place we've only got two candidate seats open and um so it was important to me that I got to see those people as people instead of just as a little core flute on the side of the road or as just their website but hearing them speak and hearing them respond to questions was important to me um and I think that yeah it's important that we know that you don't have to be doing one whole sweep for one group of people or like you can um just make your choices based on what you value so that you're not married to one thing or the other. It's about doing what you think will go well for you in your community. Yeah. So hopefully that uh, helps confused 27 be a little less confused. Um, fingers crossed. Fingers okay. crossed. All righty. So, Bridget, what's, um, as we've been, so this is the last week of the campaign. What have you been following? What have you found interesting in your, uh, in your travels over the last five weeks of this mammoth long campaign? Mm, great question. Um, Lots of conversations on housing affordability and cost of living. And I think that's really interesting because uh, I am in a phase of my life where that matters um, Mm. and the price of things matters. Um, But I guess before this, I didn't realise how many different things go into life being expensive or not expensive. Um, So that has been very interesting. One thing that I always like to keep an ear and an eye out for during the campaign um, is how they, how campaign people, candidates, that's the word campaign people, Hmm. um, how candidates talk about um, people who can't vote. So I, for me personally, I um, always have in the back of my mind people who can't vote, Hmm. basically, like who is my vote? Who am I carrying with me into the poll booth um, with my vote? And to me, people that really matter are young people and children, 
um, people who are not citizens. Um, and I really want to make sure that they are taken care of because they don't have um, a voting voice in our democracy. They have a voice in other ways, but not a voting voice. So I've been keeping an eye on things about like youth mental health, um, childcare and education, because those are things that really impact young people and uh, key issues that are important to me. Yeah. I think for me, I've, um, I've probably noticed a few things, both on a macro and maybe a more micro level. Mm-hmm. Macro level is just interesting how um, just the trend of things um, at the start of the campaign, it really felt like Albo and the Labor Party were on the back foot. You had that really early um, issue, I think it was on day one, where Albo got the unemployment rate wrong and the cash rate oh, wrong or whatever rough. it might be. And then he got um, COVID. And yeah, and so it really felt, like, okay, well, this yeah. is, you know, Labor Party's on the back foot. Could, could ScoMo be doing a 2019 2.0, you know? Mm. Um, and that's kind of shifted over the last five weeks that... Um, at the start of the campaign, everyone was talking about Skomo's strength as a campaigner, you know, that he was playing what some people call electoral four, four-dimensional chess. Um, what a metaphor. Different, uh, different uh, decisions and different things to focus on and that sort of stuff. And what we're seeing now is that it hasn't really borne out. Um, you know, really now the Labor Party seem like they're on the foot, front foot. Skomo's really just spending time mostly in coalition seats, mm-hmm. trying to save seats. So that's been really interesting just seeing how that shifted and and it's really funny being here in the eastern suburbs of, of Melbourne, historically not an overly uh, uh, busy place in election campaigns, mm-hmm. usually not too much attention paid to it, whereas it feels like every every second day there's a coalition or a Labor Party front bencher popping in and saying g'day in, in the eastern suburbs. So, you know, Higgins, Kuyong, Chisholm and some of those other seats uh, are really really being focused on both in terms of Chisholm here, it's between the Labor Party and Libs and Kuyong and Goldstein, the Teal Independence there and um, and Higgins as well, the three-cornered contest between Labor, the, the Libs and the Greens. So that's been really fascinating to see how that's been playing out. And, um, yeah, I've never seen so many call flutes in my life. When I drive to college every day, there's Josh Freinenberg call, uh, billboards and call flutes of all shapes and sizes and the same for Monique Ryan as well. So that's been really Interesting just seeing how that's sort of been playing out um, in the last last few weeks. Yeah, the core flutes along like some of the roads in Canberra keep scaring me in the dark because they're just like a random And they're all crooked, right? Floating. They're always so crooked. Yeah. There's also um, there's this great one for the Australian progressives where there's like a line. There's like some of the roads in Canberra just have like lines of core flutes and they'll be mm. like, five of the Labour candidate, five of the Liberal candidate, five and an independent. And then right at the end, there's this one that the progressives have where it's like a door, like someone's coming through an opening door and it's like, we're here too. (laughs) That's so creative. Yeah. So it's very interesting. I think um, how close things are, as we talked about in uh, one of our earlier election democracy season episodes was about how tight the race is. And I think that in this coming week as we lead up to polling day that will become more and more obvious i think what one other thing that's been quite interesting has been seeing the way that um the rhythm of policy announcements and things happen given that um everyone is quite aware that there will be lots of people doing early voting and pre-polling um because of covid stuff and because lots more people can travel now like people might not um kind of have registered have factored 
election day into mm. their life plans. It's not always a full day event like it is for us. For some <laughs> um, so I think that's been really interesting seeing the impact that has had on the way that they're releasing policies and what they're talking about and what kind of key issues they're bringing up at different points. Yeah. And so there's less, less than a week to go. Um, what's really interesting you, what's, what's sort of something that's standing out for you as you, as you look towards election night? That's, uh, what are you really interested to see unfold? I am really interested, I think, in the ACT Senate race. That'll be really interesting. I haven't done many deep dives into it and I haven't really looked at any of the polling numbers. So that I think will be kind of like, surprise, whatever happens, I won't really know. Um, but I know that it has been um, really hotly contested. Like when I was looking around Canberra, all of the stuff about the Senate was like the first things to come out. It was the first stuff that we were getting in our letterbox, first core flutes to go out were all for Senate race or for the Senate race rather than for the House of Reps. Um, so I think that'll be interesting just to see where it ends up because I really have no idea. So it's not like I'm interested because I'm super invested. It's like I'm interested because I have no clue what could happen. Yeah, yeah. Really up for anything. Yeah, and I think that's that's the interesting thing. There is a lot still up in the air. I mean, I'm there's a, I'm really interested. There's been a lot of talk around whether this could be what they what in political science they talk about a realignment election. And so, mm. what that basically means is that historically you've got all of the seats that are usually safe seats for the Liberal Party, Labor Party, and even now Melbourne, for example, will be safe for the Greens. And so you don't expect to see a lot of movement in there, and, and those seats can be counted on to be to return to those parties election after election. And then you'll then have a set sort of number of seats that tend to swing. And they might be with one party for a little while, but the margins are always kind of sort of close, 5%, 6-7%, and they come and go as the national swing happens. And so there's a sort of this moving pendulum. Um, Malcolm Maracas, I think is, is what his name is, he created this thing called the pendulum, mm-hmm. the election pendulum, and that would used to be the really good indicator of, of if there was a swing on, whether which seats would be in danger. What we're seeing now is that shifting a bit, uh, especially with the Liberal Party. Um, a lot of their safe inner city, more affluent seats, looking at Kuyong, Higgins, uh, Goldstein here in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking at North Sydney, Warringah, um, Wentworth, um, those sort of seats in Sydney and even some of, some of the other places around the country. Those seats can't be necessarily counted on the, on the Liberals anymore whether that's from threats from the Labor Party or from Teal Independent, that's making that really, really interesting. Um, you know, Higgins and Kuyong, for example, they were the two premier Liberal Party seats for such a long time. You know, they hosted Harold Holt, Robert Menzies, Peter Costello, Andrew Peacock, um, all these big Liberal luminaries. Now these seats are in play. And on the flip side, what you're seeing is, you know, the last election, the biggest swings for the coalition were in those outer marginal strong Labor seats, seats like Blacksland, yeah. um, Chifley, McMahon, um, and things like that. There's talk about this new seat, Hawke, in the west of Melbourne, which should be a really safe Labor seat. There's talk about whether that's going to have a really strong UAP um, vote that might trend the seat closer to the Liberal Party than mm-hmm. that, what, what they had expected. So... The question of will this actually be a, an election where the alignment of which seats tend to be marginal, which seats tend to be safe, shifts a little bit. Um, you know, my old seat of MacArthur, which Campbelltown is a part of, up until 2010, that was a bellwether seat until the Liberals won it when yep. 
2010, anyway, the Liberals won it against the, the run of government, which was the first time that it happened. Now that's become a very safe Labor seat. They're, they're looking at having that in double double digit margins now. Wow. So there's all these really interesting things about how things will shift. And will this be an election where there's a big shift? Even though there might be a big swing on one way or the other, will this have a shift in how parties are aligned? And then if that's if the base is moving, how then do political parties react and then target the base in different ways? Will we see the Liberal Party become much more a party for outer suburban working class um, Australians, which sounds completely counter to the history of what the Liberal Party mm. has been. I'm not saying that happened, that has been an issue for them, but they've naturally been much more centred on the more affluent parts of town. So um, at least their base of support has been and the conservative elements of that. So um, the emergence of the Greens is a big part of that, but also just in terms of the, the increasing education rates into the university attendance and that sort of stuff all playing into that. So that's what I'm really interested in. But what comes out of that is the fact that it leaves so much up in the air that I don't really know what's going to happen. None of us kind of do. The Greens are threatening in Brisbane and Griffith in Queensland, threatening in Higgins. Um, you know, they're threatening in different places, some Labor Party strongholds, some Liberal Party strongholds. So will the swings come in for the Labor Party? Will they lose seats in different places? Will the Greens pick up in the northern rivers in New South Wales that they have in the state parliament? So all this sort of stuff is really kind of interesting, which means that even though the polls aren't really close at all, what that looks like and how that plays out on a seat-by-seat, state-by-state basis means there's lots up in the air, which that that, for a political follower, Mm -hmm. that's really kind of interesting. Yeah, it is quite interesting. I'm keen to see how it all pans out because it really, um, at the moment, it does feel quite unpredictable or quite kind of like anything could happen. Yeah. Um, And I guess I get hesitant to say too much because, like, who knows where it could go? Like, I'm I'm almost like a a bit like, oh, I don't know what even to think could happen Mm. because who knows? It could just, like, all... um, be totally different from yeah. what, what we expect. And I think if, if I think about what I'm looking forward to about Saturday night as the, as the results come in, I think it's that unpredictability that, you know, even though I have an inkling we'll get to that in a bit of what might happen, just in terms of what's happening on a seat-to-seat basis, it's going to be really interesting. interesting. There's fascinating contests across the country that's going to make it really interesting as, mm-hmm. as votes come in and how as the voice of the nation starts to be heard, um, and what that looks like starts to be pieced together. That's going to be really fascinating to see how that really impacts the chances of whether it's Albo or, or Scomo who ends up in the lodge come, you know, the morning of May 22nd or however long it takes for the other bloke, either Scomo to move out or Scomo to, to not move out. I don't know. You know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what are your plans for Saturday? How are you going to be spending your election day, Josh? Well, I've got the day off. So once a month, we get a full day off from the morning all the way to the evening. So that's fortuitous that it's on election day. So oh, I think I'm going to have a, I'm going to, I'm going to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, just jump the fence and vote here. Um, and then I think uh, I'm going to, I like cooking on my days off. So I'm going to try and cook some uh, kind of authentic Tex-Mex burritos. That'll be fun. Um, and yeah, then I'll probably put the, uh, the, put the projector on in the in our lecture slash uh, or lecture room is probably the proper title of it and just watch the election put on ABC put on Anthony Green and just mm-hmm. um, yeah I might even if I get bored make a bingo card just to keep it entertaining just so <laughs> different things that happen on election night but yeah what about you um, I will probably go vote at Old Parliament House because they 
have that as a polling booth. Very cool. Which is very fun. I voted there at the last election. That's right. That's where Bridget from Bean was born. Yes, that was the, the origin of Bridget from Bean. So I will crack out my democracy sweater yeah. and get voting um, because they also make it like, you know, it's a big day out and it's very fun. And I think that's an important part of democracy is making it joyful and fun yeah. and accessible. And so it's not all just stress and sweating about where you're going to put your numbers. Like it's fun to be part of democracy because the alternates are also very much not fun. <laughs> so let's make democracy as fun as possible. Yeah. Um, make it as accessible and as appealing as possible. So that's always a fun time because they do democracy sausages and they have like little collectible things. And cause the line is always really long. You like weave through the building oh, and they sick. have like a fun facts and cool. spot the whatever's around. So that'll be a good time. Um, and then I will probably spend some time with my family on nice. Saturday night. We'll probably do a similar thing or sit in the lounge room and, put it up on the TV, yeah. eat some popcorn and see how it goes. It should all come in. That's great. Yeah. How good. And now, final predictions. What do you think? What's going to happen? Oh, I've got no clue. Um, I was talking to my granny the other day and I was like, I. she was asking me the same question. And I was like, I reckon it might be something crazy like a Labor minority government where they have to negotiate with minor parties and mm-hmm. independents. Um, but it'll be a really close competition. So what do you reckon, Josh? I'm going to be a bit bolder than you. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking that (laughs) not like without hair, not that sort of bolder. (laughs) Um, I I reckon that Labor's probably going to get get between 75 and 80 seats, I reckon. Maybe a bit more, but, yeah, 75 to 80. And the Libs will probably be down to about... 60 to 65, I reckon. If it's a bad night for them, they might get under 60. But, yeah, I think, um, yeah, Labor Gen, there might be the chance that the Greens might pick up a couple of seats and the Independents might pick up a couple as well. So, um, but, yeah, I think ABBA will just sneak in, um, be able to get in for majority government, I think. Interesting. But I, I could and slash most likely might be wrong. But, you know, it's not, it's yeah. good to make a, have a stab and just, Put it out there and see what happens. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we get it completely wrong. And then That's right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> you know, who knows? Craig Kelly might become the prime minister. UAP might get. No, they won't. But you know, anything's not. Any, not any. Anything is not possible. But many know. things are possible. That's Some probably not one. Are not. Yeah. And we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But, um. Yeah. Any other final thoughts for our time together for the campaign? Yeah, I just think. Um, you know, if you listen to this and it's before Saturday, I mean, it's probably not going to be much use if you listen to it afterwards. But, um, yeah, and hopefully voting isn't too stressful for you and that you get out there and you make your vote count. Um, and, yeah, feel free to get in touch with us if you are stressed or worried and we can either try and ease your suffering or tell some really bad jokes either way just to yeah. uh, help you. But, yeah, I think just... Um, I'm, going, I'm, I'm glad the campaign's almost over. It's been very long and kind of annoying. But, um, but yeah, that would be good to... Good to see what happens and, yeah, good to hear the voice of Australia, I suppose. Absolutely. I guess my final thoughts would be um, be intentional with your vote, but don't stress too much over it. Um, make your own little how to vote card for yourself with the decisions that you've yeah. made about how you want your voice to be heard and how you want to cast your vote. Um, and, yeah, 
make the best of it. This is like really our time to shine as the Australian people. So um, I'm keen to hear what Australia says yeah. and keen to listen to what that means for the next season for our nation, yeah. the next election. Well, thanks for joining us for this sort of uh, wild and crazy uh, adventure that's been Democracy Season. We hope uh, that you've enjoyed it. I hope you, it's been helpful for you. And, um, yeah, let us know how you found it. Let us know how you found voting. And, yeah, hopefully it's a, it's a good time for you as uh, as Saturday comes. Close to that, you, you do find voting to be a good experience and go from there. Yeah, send us some voting selfies, not in the polling booth, but at whatever you yeah. um, do on Saturday. So, we're looking forward to it. All righty. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. See you next See time. See you later. Bye.